Hello and welcome to the Own Your Role podcast. I'm your host, Dean Watt, and I'm your guide to exceptional leadership and dynamic culture in your business. Join me each week as we explore practical tips through fun and fascinating interviews with successful business owners who've mastered the art of leadership. Over the last 20 years as a keynote speaker, author, and high-performing team transformation specialist, I've been fascinated by what it takes to create a great culture and dedicated team members in a business. When leaders truly own their roles and empower their team members to do the same, a great culture is always the result. So whether you're on your couch or in your car, on a treadmill or hiking up a hill, get ready to be inspired and entertained as you learn exactly how to own your role. And welcome everybody to the Own Your Role podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, thank you for sharing this with your colleagues and your friends uh, and really spreading the message around about the Own Your Role podcast, formerly the Propreneur podcast. And the only way this podcast continues to work and the reason why we keep doing it is because of the great comments that we get from so many of you. And we really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to like and follow. And especially as you hear about our guest today, make sure you go and follow him on all of his social medias and and share your thoughts about this episode with him and his audience as well. Today, we're lucky to have Sam Sells on our show, really to understand a lot about investment, capital management, and what his expertise is. First and foremost, he is a former member of the armed services. So we always want to thank our service members for serving and protecting our freedoms here in this awesome country that we live in. And we all wanna also make sure that we share the opportunity to be um, as forward thinking as we possibly can in all of our business dealings. You know, the point of On Your Role podcast is to help you learn the best practices possible for your business. And that's why we bring people like Sam on. So Sam, thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Dino. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it always is. We always want to make sure we're having fun. I believe in the value of edutainment, making yeah. sure we're entertained and educated at the same time, right? That's so absolutely. as we do for every episode, we want to start off with getting to know your story. And I know a lot of times people can go into you know the bio, but really love to hear where you come from, your background, and what got you into this space. Yeah, great. I have lots of stories, just a you know, very, very interesting uh, life, lots of different uh, circumstances. Grew up in rural Oklahoma, um, American poor is what I like to say, mm. uh, poor by our standards, but I spent so much time in the poorest countries in the world that that no longer seems poor to me just because I didn't have, or we didn't have running water or took baths and horse troughs. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean we were poor, um, at least in the, in the way the world looks at things. So, uh, you know, loved my childhood, loved my parents, wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, got out of high school, went on a mission for my church, came back and then spent a few years in construction. And, you know, around about that time, September 11th happened and all of that. And, you know, I had said early on in my life, there was three things that I really wanted to do. One was to serve God, serve my country and serve my fellow man. Mm. And I don't know why I decided that as a dumb teenager, but that's what I did. And I just stuck. Um, it aligned well with my heart and what I wanted to do. So I decided it was time to join the military. I joined the, the air force as a firefighter and, uh, went and spent time in Germany. Um, did that, deployed, um, 
and uh, came out, thought I was going to go work for business, you know, make all this money, uh, finished my degree, went to Deloitte and realized that I did not want to be a management <laughs> consultant, you know, what? what just was not my deal. At the end of the day, uh, dollars seem to matter the most, not people. And it's never been my feeling. So I went back in the Air Force uh, in healthcare. And it's been a little over a decade working with foreign militaries, foreign governments, helping them create sustainable healthcare systems. Mm. Uh, and really in those roles, I learned some key things that um, have changed me forever. One, I learned this in Afghanistan up in the north working with a doc. Um, when we align incentives, things happen. Okay, very simple principle. When we align incentives, things happen and it becomes sustainable. So Americans have this awesome habit of traveling overseas. You're like, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm bringing over this really whiz bang, you know, cat scan machine. I'm going to give it to some guys in Chad in Janina, in Jamina Chad. So second, third poorest country on the planet. Um, and, you know, the hospital they give it to has power for two hours a day. They don't have enough power to run a CAT scan machine. They say, thank you so much for this, whatever this thing is. And the doc will feel fantastic. His team will feel fantastic. They'll put it on their website about how much they give to foreign country. Um, X, the local people I know, <laughs> I spent enough time there. The silly American leaves and behind these guys move this cat scan machine into a closet. Never touch it again until the doc shows paperweight. up. Yeah, it becomes paperweight. And if he shows up again, they pull it back out. They'll have a trusty patient going through it and say, oh, we use this all the time. Put on a show. Put on a show and then try and get another $100,000 worth of stuff wow. that they can't use. And so two things um, there. Um, yeah, one, incentives matter. Two, um, it's got to be incentives uh, align and are relevant to uh, the people you're working with. And then um, third thing is that I remember, I don't, I don't remember which country I was in, sitting there looking at uh, the homes. We're out there kicking around soccer balls with some kids. And I was just looking at the homes and thinking, you know what? Government doesn't matter. It all matters back at the home, right? What matters at the home. And so spending years away from home collectively uh, reminder to me that I needed to come back home to the States permanently and I needed to do something that made a difference in the home. So we created Ball Mountain Capital and aligned the incentives so that it's a for-profit company where people can invest and help um, lower socioeconomic class um through we take on very distressed apartment communities, mobile home parks, rehab them, um, make them profitable, sustainable. We don't put granite countertops in them. We don't gentrify things. We just raise the level of that community. We get rid of crime. We do what's right. We treat our residents right. And they in turn treat us right for the most part. Mm, wow. And that, and that in turn inside is, you know, I'm, I did spend a year as humanitarian with USAID um, we are not humanitarians in that sense of the word, where we just go give, 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 because somebody else is footing the bill. Uh, what we've done is we we want to align incentives so that 
others can see it's profitable to do good to your fellow man. And if you, if you can align profit with doing good, it becomes repeatable and sustainable. And it's at the locals level. We're not delivering Cadillacs and then giving them to people who can't afford the gas or the insurance. I think that's such an important point. And I'm sure that comes from your perspective of, as you said, growing up poor, you know, even now when you just, when you said earlier, yeah, we, we, you know, took baths in the horse troughs, but mm, comparatively to what other people have to deal with, it's not, not, not that bad, right? It wasn't that bad. But I can see where that understanding is and just going in and giving somebody like, you know, Oprah a brand new house or a new car, or like you said, even a, a CAT scan that they can't use or don't understand the value of it, or it just isn't a right fit for what right. they need that that goes and there's a lot of thought that must go into that when it comes to investing, because people don't know what they don't know. And the big, I was just watching something earlier today where somebody said, yeah, we know that majority of people who are poor or lower income that win the lottery end up becoming poor again. It's not a matter of values. It's a matter of them not understanding how to understand money and they're poor, they're bad with money. So we need to educate them on how to be better with money so that they can win the lottery and they can invest and they can have, you know, whatever. But it sounds like that's kind of the idea of where you're coming from. That's it. So the education system in America does not teach us how to use money. In fact, it does right. not teach us how to be sure. successful adults, right? It teaches us how to be successful students, yeah, right? Which is great. We do need to be successful students, but we also need to be successful adults. We need to be successful family members, right? The old education system did. Like you worked inside your family. Kids worked. Right. You worked on your farm. If the family yeah. wasn't successful, you weren't successful. In school, we stripped away all the goodness there um, and just left it, right? But yeah. we replaced it with other goodness and all these great ideas. Um, frankly, I don't care what you think about Lord of the Flies. I need you to help me with yeah you know, housing or, you know, let me help you become profitable. I don't care if, if you're. Well, biggie, it, you it, know, becomes a, it becomes a symbiotic relationship, right? I, I, I have a quote that I use in my, in my trainings where I say that the team members wake up every single day to make the doctor's dream come true. And that always gets the team members are like, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, yeah, we do. I hope they appreciate that. And I say, but the other side of the sword is, the doctors, in my case, I deal with a lot of doctors, they mm. wake up every single day to make your dream come true, to make sure you can pay your rent, you can put your kid into a school. Like, it is a, a two-way street. It is a symbiotic relationship. Not one is more important than the other. It's a matter of perspective. Absolutely. It's a matter of perspective. And, you know, I, I've spent so long in the international health community mm. um, and I saw, you know, the new folks coming in or the folks who were infrequent, really infrequent, uh, their perspective was so different than those of us who had spent years. Um, I spent a lot of time, um, you know, aligning what would actually work. Um, coming over there with $90,000 worth of first aid kits um, is a waste, right? Or $900,000 of first aid kits. I've seen that too, right? And then I, I'm over there like, hey guys, what do you got? They're like, oh, we got these bandages. I'm like, okay, these are filthy. 
But okay, let me show you how to use these to bandage a wound, right? It's, you know, or, or make a sling. You're doing That's, the education part of it, right? You're, you're, you're right. doing that, teaching the fish, not just giving them the fish, yeah. That's yeah, and that's like what my team would do. And then my part inside that is I would go talk to the Charge de Affair, the Minister of Health, somebody at the top and say, Okay, you guys are learning all these things, but if you don't have a policy in place that's endorsed and aligned by the government, it's not sustainable. And it we're gonna teach four people how to do things, and those four people are going to go get jobs somewhere else and do something different. Um, and so I had to figure out how to align incentives with provincial leaders, um, state governors, all kinds of people in that hierarchy, and sometimes presidents, ambassadors, and so forth. And so the alignment with the big wigs is money and power mm. every time. With okay, so let's let's narrow it down though, because most people listening to this are not going to be you know in that space of money and power, right? Because they're not they're not leaders or presidents of of governments. When we talk about aligning incentives, tell us some ideas that you've had or that you've seen that where there is a good alignment of incentive so that we can kind of break it down and see it into our own personal offices or businesses. Yeah. So two things. Let me, let me talk about it in the investment world. All right. Uh, here's a way that is bad. You buy Bitcoin. All right, where does that Bitcoin come from? You have no idea. Mm. Did you know that the number one currency of, of world global crime is Bitcoin? Mm. Why? Um, well, I guess there's some other, you know, I won't say Dogecoin is a joke, but you know, some other stuff like Bitcoin. Why? Because it's untraceable or it's very difficult to trace. It's also hackable, you can't steal it. Um, and so what do they do? They built these factory factories of creating Bitcoin and then they sell it. So when you buy Bitcoin, let's say, I'm just trashing on Bitcoin right now, but if when you buy one of those currencies, you may have just funded old Al Capone in South America and he's using, cause he mined it, he sold it to you. You don't know that, you don't care. You just yeah. want your Bitcoin cause you yeah. want to follow the market and you're in the fear of missing out FOMO thing. And you're going to get your 60% return on your money. You just know it. And meanwhile, he took the money and he used it to hire a hit, killed some people, moved some drugs and some other wow. stuff. So he just funded murder and mayhem in America or somewhere else. You have no idea. You're completely blind to it because you have no idea where that came from. And you don't. And sadly, most people don't care. And sadly, most people don't care. Does that align with your... I mean, does that align with you? Does that align with your morals and your ethics? If it does, you, you suck. One, <laughs> <laughs> you need no to check offense. yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's kind of like the blood diamond thing, right? Where people made such a huge controversy about the blood diamonds, and yet no one's really having this conversation around crypto. But you can look at that and and so many things, right? I know my friend Gary used to talk about how when you have yourself aligned, even your insurance, right? Your car insurance. Like, do you really know that it's covering everything that you care about and is important to you or your home insurance or your life insurance, mm -hmm. right? Like when you really nail it down to that type of idea of where are you putting your money? Is it doing some social good? Is it doing also personal good? I love how you talk about, you know, the benefits to both the investor and in your case, whether it be real estate, the, the, the residents or the local community. That's that's something that I'll even say I don't I don't think about all that often. 
So I, I've started a clean money podcast and, and we talk about this issue and I've got a lot more to do um, just the education wise, because we don't know and we're all busy, right? We're all super busy and we have a mandatory of three to four hours of TV every single night because we're, not <laughs> <'Cause> we're tired. <laughs> we're tired and I need to entertain my distraction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to think for a while. I don't want to yeah. care for my favorite number 17 doing whatever it is. Right. doing. Which is which is fine, right? But at the same time, we, we have to pay attention of our impact in the world because we all have some kind of impact. Sure. Right? Huge. Yeah. Well, that's one of my core concepts is when people ask you, what do you do? It's not really asking what do you do? It's asking what impact do you make? Mm-hmm. Right? That's really they really want to know. Do I want to buy from you because you're gonna make an impact on my life? Or, you know, are we just exchanging goods for services or money? Um why is this so, and why are you so impassioned about this? Why is this such, I mean, this is a business you built around this idea. Why, why is that? You know, those funny things you learn about yourselves, right? So one of the things I learned about myself is I like really challenging problems. Mm. Uh, and so I, I like them when, uh, I was at USAID. We, uh, I was on, I was on the DART disaster systems response team. Uh, first day of the COVID, resp- uh, COVID, the <laughs> Ebola response, uh, much, much scarier uh, in my mind than, than COVID, much deadlier than COVID. Sure. Um, but still, um, people dying in the streets, nasty. Um, we sent, I, I prepped the guys to go out and they left the first group that went to Liberia. And, you know, when that thing started, we had no idea how to respond to Ebola. Nobody did. Mm. Uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, I always butcher French, but Doctors Without Borders is reaching out and like, Sam, we need help. We need this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying. So let's figure it out. But those things, like I, I like those things. I don't like the terribleness, but I like the fact that we can figure out a way forward and solve problems that nobody else has solved, or at least not in this way. The affordable housing epidemic in America is a crisis, right? It's an epidemic. It's endemic. It's in society. It's there and it's propagated because by the federal policies that are misaligned because incentives in Washington, D.C. are perverse. Mm. I used to work there. They're perverse. Everybody understands it, but they still use it because it benefits them in some way. All right. So we got all these perverse incentives. Government is never, ever going to solve those problems. I just realized that I could. And it's not that I can solve the problem, but I can show people how to solve the problem. Hmm. The way that we solve the problem is by aligning incentives doing it at the local level, the things that I have learned overseas of other years of work, right? So if we take those three principles and we apply it to this, this course set, how do you fix affordable housing? Well, it's not by gentrification. It's not by opportunity zones. Opportunity zones made a dent mm. a little bit, but it's really by saying, hey, investors, you can make money by investing with operators, people who take over the property and do all the work and are willing to do all the blood, sweat, and tears because this stuff is hard. It's not your fancy, pretty apartment complex sitting in on Miami Beach overlooking the water that is a beautiful 2 or 3% return on your money because it's really pretty. 
um, and 50 people are taking their money out of you on the process. No, this is really, really heavy stuff, but our returns are um, projected, always projected really nice. It, there's a lot of growth potential, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can al align incentives, you can showcase the risk, but you showcase the rewards, um, then it works. So are you able to align the incentives on both the front and the back end though, right? Because aligning the incentives for somebody who wants to invest in this type of idea and see the, the the benefit of society, then you also have society you're dealing with, right? You have the the society in that space. Are you going in and I think one of the, for me anyways, my belief system is that one of the biggest challenges we have with growth, getting out of the uh, out of poverty or getting out of the middle class is education around money or opportunities or possibilities. Are you able to align those incentives on the back end? So here's where it gets really amazing because this is where the real impact happens. Uh, I'm, I'm just a guy out there trying to get people together, structuring the deals and making all that happen. My brother is the one who takes the plan uh, and goes and implements it. So he runs our operations. And the way he does that is he goes out and he engages with tons of charities where there's like there's rainwaters uh you know women in crisis uh every religious charity you can think of there's not very many non-religious charities most of them are religious uh, non-religious charities are usually like anyways i want to talk about it but the uh you know because they just different, another podcast different another podcast right some of them are fantastic uh in Anyone else in, in federal government proceeds, whether it's Section 8 or COVID relief funds or whatever, there's different programs, different things. Every state is different. Every municipality can be different. So it's a bit of a struggle there. Um, but what comes in is now we work with tenants, right? And I, we haven't cracked the nut of uh, educating we have done, we do have some educational programs like Boys and Girls Club will put in an educational program. But what we do is we start talking and we start instilling our values and sharing our values and how things work and being very open and upfront with our residents. And it's a little challenging with it's a large apartment complex, 200 units or 180 units or 150 units, uh, but it works. It just works. We see people coming out of homelessness who have been living on section eight forever. Now they're able to get jobs because they're not worried about getting shot in their apartment complex. They're not worried about leaving their kids alone. Okay. Because now we have boys and girls club. We also uh, do a thing called substations. Walmart just copied us. Uh, by the way, they now are starting to do substations. We do substations, been doing this for years where we work with local police departments and they put a substation in basically we give them a unit and they use that unit for police to come and go and write reports and so forth without having to go into the precinct office or the oh, main office. Yeah. So they can come in there, they can decompress, they can watch a little football, they can write up the reports, relieve stress that they have, and then go home. As a firefighter, I know for a fact wow. that after you experience a traumatic event, you need some time to decompress unless sure. you're touching your body before you go home and get mad that junior spilled the water at the table and flip mm -hmm. out, do something you don't, you regret. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fantastic. There's just all these things we do on that create impact on the ground and that impact on the ground. What we, what we get is, well, rents go up, collections goes up, turnover goes down, educational, um, outcomes improve.
this is how when kids are transient moving from one home to another home to another home because parents can't keep jobs or they lose their income for a little bit and now they get kicked out of the place they live. Now we help them get money from section eight. We help them get money from whatever religious program or, or so forth that can help cover them. Now they are steady. Okay. And kids got after school programs. So instead of walking around throwing rocks through windows, uh, after school, now they're in a, you know, they boys and girls club. yeah, they got something to do, right? Busy hands. Yeah. yeah, busy hands, right? And so it's it's all simple stuff. It's just pushed together. Um, and it sounds like it's a really awesome, big program. And we just, we're doing what we feel we should be doing and it works. And so as those kids' educational outcomes improve, their schools, which are graded partially on how many students start a year and how many students finish a year. So if your school district is over a very transient population, your school rating is low, period. Mm, right. You can have the best teachers on the planet. They all yep. came from Harvard or Yale or Stanford or whatever your favorite college is, and they're all teaching there. It would still be a two-star school because of the transientness of the kids. It has nothing to do with the quality of the education. It has everything to do with the transientness of the kids. Wow. And when you stop or reduce the transientness of the kids, it improves educational outcomes. Okay, so let's bring this into a spot of uh, business ownership, right? You're a business owner, you probably deal with a lot of business owners. How have you seen positive ways, or really any way, that there's been successful connection to aligning with incentives when it comes to employees and the employer? Has there been anything that you've come across that you've thought, okay, that's a really great way, or here's a new way to think about your incentives and how you can align them and making sure those incentives matter to the team members? I I will say we probably have the most loyal um, team members uh, of any company I've ever seen. They've uh, we've experienced some hardships because of interest rates We're we're heavy value add folks. So we, we take on properties that need a lot of work. And in the process, we get these variable rate notes. And when the government goes crazy and does something really stupid, like 500 and something percent increase over 10 months, like that just brutalizes. Yeah, for sure. Work, right. It just brutalizes us. So yeah. it, there's no way for us to get fixed that in the beginning, because these properties have been ran by slumlords. You just can't, okay? It's lucky we can get debt at all. So we, after we finish them, we move them into long-term fixed rate debt. That's a no-brainer. Uh, so hard, hard things, hard, um, you know, first taking on investors who weren't really aligned with our incentives. They just wanted to return. Mm -hmm. um, and then when something like COVID happens, like, where's my money? You're like, uh, brother, the COVID just give us a little bit. We got to figure this out, right? right, um, and right so, right. you know, dealing with those kinds of things and so forth. Our our employees have been fantastically loyal and have worked through every struggle and turmoil and so forth. Uh, I also run a coaching program where we teach people how to do impact investing, how to um, buy properties and do these types of things. And what we've done is like we do a profit sharing module. So our invest uh, people who join is twenty thousand dollars. It sounds expensive, but my first guy went through and made seven hundred something grand his first year. So twenty grand for seven hundred, not bad. Right. Uh, 
yeah, pretty good return on your money, right? So I don't feel bad about charging that. It's expensive. And as we put our guts into you to make sure you're successful. Well, and you're, and you're making sure it's not about who's in the group it's who's not in the group too. That's correct. That's, that's a threshold. Yep. That's a threshold. Absolutely. If you're not aligned, you're not coming in. I don't care about yeah. your money. I've yeah. already learned that lesson a long time ago. Won't do yeah. that. So the, um, the, uh, so we do a profit share model. And so as they make money, we make money. So I make money as my students make money in the beginning because I'm working super hard to help them become successful. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not making money, because I've done this, I've joined these programs where I don't feel like there was a line. I was a dollar bill. I made my payment. The coach or whoever's running the program couldn't care less mm -hmm. if I showed up the next day or not. Wow. Right? Because at the end of the day, they already got my payment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's human nature. It's incentives. Yep, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I had a company once when I think about incentives and alignment, I interviewed them on the show and uh, they did applicants. Like basically it was like an Indeed or a Glassdoor, but all together, everything all together. And we were talking about this idea of his, his is a small company, newer company, if you will. And he said, yeah, we needed help and we needed people who would be loyal and dedicated to us. And it came to happen to be that a lot of our team members who work from home are stay at home moms. And so we thought, okay, how can we help them really know that we care about them and also keep them loyal to us. And so once a month, they send a housekeeper to their home to clean the house so that oh, awesome. that would make them feel like, and, and they're like, no one, no one quits us. <laughs> like they, they want yeah. that. And, but yeah. it's an alignment, right? We don't want you to quit your job. We don't want you to have to go to an office. We want you to be happy. And here's something that we know will make you happy in general and create that loyalty to us. Uh, so you giving an incentive program, helping your employees actually learn how to do what you do. It just makes total sense. I, I love that. That's a, that's fantastic. We have so many people who are remote and uh, there is an art to gift giving. And I, I love that. What a great alignment. of insane. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about where you're going. Like, what's the goal? What's the future? What's the, I believe so much in the vision of what you're trying to do leads and guides the people around you. So where are you going with this? What, what what's the ultimate goal? So our, our goal is to change a million lives. I know that's only a drop in the bucket. Mm. Um, it's to change a million lives inside of that uh, lower socioeconomic class. So the mm. lower workforce, those who would love to be in the workforce but can't get there, um, those who, for whatever reason, are on uh, subsidized housing or something like that. We do not buy apartment communities that are funded by the government. There's plenty of people that will do that. Um, what we do are these heavy value add projects that others will not touch. The government should incentivize it. Look, I can get 70 affordable homes on the market in six to eight months by taking an apartment complex with 60 or 70 units down and starting the work and getting them done and putting them on the market. Where else can you do that? You can't. There's no other way to put that many homes on the market in that short of time. There's mm -hmm. all these distressed communities all over the nation um, sitting there waiting for somebody who gives uh, a crap to come and, and do something about it. So part of that, sorry to cut you off, but part of that alignment then means that the person who is hearing this right now, the person who sees what you're doing, who wants to invest in something like this, 
needs to understand, number one, we're going in and we're actually not only doing good in the world, but it might take you, and I'm guessing, you can correct me on this, it might take you a little longer to get that ROI, but you're looking at the long-term play, what it's doing for the community, as well as, yes, you're going to make some money off of it in eventually, like long-term. They're not coming for the quick flip. They're not coming for the, the like you said, huge, you know, 10% return in six months, you know, type second. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're not get rich quick get rich quick schemers. Uh, this is a uh, heavy process. When you flip properties, you're looking at the the building itself. You don't give a crud about the residents. You just want to fill it and get out. And I see a lot of people say, "Oh, we average thirty percent return to our investors." I'm like, "Well, you're flipping properties that works in an economy like last year. It doesn't work in economies like today, and it's no lasting impact. You're just." 100% focused on the money, which if that's what you are, then great. That's who you are, right? Your number one thing in life is money. It's not our number one thing in life. The money comes. We don't do any job unless we feel like we can at least get a 20% average annualized return. Um, I want to just point out something and just, I don't know if this will help you at all or not, if this touches you at all or not, but I, I don't I don't think a million people is is, is a small amount, Right. Like when you said, oh, we're here to help them. The vision is to help a million people. Like who's done that, right? It's got, even if that's your start, even if that's like the, the next 10 year thing, people listening to this, I want I want to put out there too, whatever your number is, maybe it's a thousand people, maybe it's a hundred people, whatever. Like that's the start, right? That's, yeah. and there's a ripple effect that's going to happen no matter what. You help a million people, you're not just helping a million people because you're affecting generational uh, change in people, the the ripple effect that will happen with that is huge. And I think sometimes we we see numbers that we have. I have my numbers, you have your numbers, and we're and we discount them a little bit because there's somebody else out there that's going to throw out a bigger number. We can say big numbers all day long, but until you actually make that impact, it's not it it is it, it doesn't actually actualize. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I and I also realize that there's no way I can do this alone. Mm. And so we, we have to build, an, uh, you know, a new um, a new type of investor who's mm. savvy, who's powerful and who's impact driven. And it can't just be investors focused on ROI um, unless you're talking about return on impact. Mm. But yeah, powerful, savvy and impact focused for sure. Well, I think that a majority of the people listening to this show are definitely savvy people. They want to make an impact. Most of them have careers where they realize that they are making huge impacts on the world just in their own way. It might not be through investing, sure. but through what they do, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few people here on this call that will uh, hear what you're about to do. And by the way, I tell you, Sam, I reading through your bio, reading through all the information I had beforehand to understand a little bit about you. I wasn't expecting fully this type of conversation around impact and um, incentives. And I just, I'm really grateful because I really feel like the goal of this podcast is to help people better their lives. And we could talk about investing. We could talk about housing market. We could talk about multifamily units. Absolutely. We could do that. And we could just be another podcast too. Right. We can just be another conversation. So I really appreciate you bringing this idea. And I hope everybody who's listening is thinking to themselves, okay, 
I might not be investing in multi-units, but whatever I'm doing, whatever the job I've created, whatever process that I have bought into, how can it actually have a bigger impact in the world? And that's where we change the world. That's where things shift. So. Absolutely. There's so many ways to make a difference in this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, My focus is affordable housing. Uh, Your focus can be medicine. It can be all kinds of things, the clothes we wear, the food we eat. Relationships. It can be uh, better business by employee engagement. Like there's so many things. Yeah. There's so many things. In fact, there's no reason we should not try to have a positive impact on the world. Yeah. Every one of us can make a difference. Um, absolutely. And I know you're making a difference as you improve the work life that makes such a huge difference in people's personal lives and in their relationships, right? When you go to work and you hate your life, you hate your job, that stuff comes back. You can't separate it. I don't Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's one of the things that I, I'm really probably the most proud of is when I get on stage or when I'm talking to smaller groups or a big group, first thing I say is my only goal is to help you get more in your life, like personal life. Cause if you're getting more in your relationships, you're getting more in your personal uh, development, getting more in your finances, you're going to bring that into the workplace. It's, it's a no brainer. We're reverse engineering how you can be happy in the workplace. And, yeah. and it just makes a huge difference in the world. So thank you so much for sharing this with us before we go to our questions. I want to make sure that people know where they can reach out to you and connect with you. Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, just Samuel sells. You can find me on uh, Instagram, clean money, Sam, uh, where I talk about clean money, clean investing, investing with a purpose. Uh, there's lots of things you don't have to do affordable housing. There's other things you can invest in just that, you know, what's happening sure. to your dollars and you're not funding terrorism um, on accident. And you have so, a podcast too, right? I have a podcast uh, called the clean money podcast. And uh, we talk about a lot of that stuff. I'm starting to share more and more about what we're doing on the impact side. Um, but we've talked, we've had some great guests on that show. You should come join the show because Be you're happy to thank you. Yeah, yeah, Making an impact. And that's what it's all about. So reach out to me at uh, info at wildmountaincapital.com uh, or sam at wildmountaincapital.com. Both of those will come straight to me. That's our um, investment company that does all the heavy lifting is wildmountaincapital.com. You can also see our website, wildmountaincapital.com. If you're interested in the coaching program where we teach you guys how to do what we're doing um, and you can come join uh, the only uh, investment company out there doing this, uh, syndicationlaunch.com and uh, come check us out. That's awesome. And just to clarify, it's wild mountain capital, right? I think you said, wow, a couple of times. I'm like, I think it's wild, but you said, I think you said, wow. So wild, W-I-L-D, mountain capital. That's it. Awesome. Okay. So at the end of every show, we ask four questions of our guests. They're rapid fire, top of mind questions. Are you willing to play? Yes, absolutely. All right. So what is the highest and greatest responsibility that you have on this earth? To be a dad. What do you want as the ultimate outcome for your life? Ultimately, I want to return to the place I came from with my family intact. Nice. What do you consider true leadership to be? True leadership 
the service. Unfortunately, every single one of us, or fortunately, however way you look at it, every single one of us will uh, come a day where it's our final day on the earth. So between now and dead, what experience do you hope or want to have in your life? That I have not had? Yeah. Between now and dead, what experience do you want to have? Still want to have, let's say that. I want to be standing alongside my wife watching our boys make a difference in the world Mm. awesome very cool well sam you are definitely making a difference in the world and uh, i'm so glad to hear that when i didn't know coming into this podcast was that uh, i think that both of our incentives are aligned and that's such a, a great way to think about how we're actually going through the world and sharing our message with the world. So thank you so much for being a part of the Own Your Role podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the, on the show, Dino. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. And everybody, please go to Sam's website, go to his social media, go to his LinkedIn and follow him and get more information. I always say information is just information. You don't, you're not committed to anything, but why not find out a little bit more? And if Sam's message touched you in any way, and you feel that what he is doing aligns with what you want to be doing in the world or are currently doing, please make sure to reach out. And speaking of alignment here on the Owner Own Your Role Prod podcast, we're very grateful for all of you who care enough about this show and, and appreciate the show enough that you've shared it with your friends and your colleagues. I was just at an event just recently and I had a few people come up to say, when's the next episode coming out? I'm excited to hear the next thing. So thank you for being audiences for this entire uh, gosh, we're at 120 episodes now. So thank you so much for that, everybody. And that being said, we will see you on the next Own Your Role podcast. See you next time, everybody. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Own Your Role podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're alerted for every new episode we release. And don't forget to write us a review and let us know how we're doing. You can also follow me on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all the social medias. Just search at Dino Watt. And if you'd like me to come and help your team or audience learn to own their role in person, make sure you go to DinoWatt.com for more details. I'll see you on the next episode.